Welcome back to Teaching Matters, the University of Edinburgh's hub for discussing, promoting, and celebrating teaching and learning. We are a website, blog, podcast, and possibly most importantly, a small group of people passionate about providing platforms for conversations surrounding teaching and learning. Today's special one-off episode coincides with the first week of the United Nations Climate Change Conference, COP26, currently happening in Glasgow. Teaching Matters' own Josephine Foucher, a PhD student, Teaching Matters co-editor, and student engagement officer gets curious with Dave Ray, a professor of carbon management and education in the School of Geosciences and director of the Edinburgh Climate Change Institute about all things COP26. Dave details the work of the ECCI before expanding into a larger conversation about the role of climate change in the curriculum along with the three hopes for COP26. Throughout, he contextualizes the conference while considering interesting questions. How can climate change become embedded in our curriculum? How are students participating in the conference? What outcomes are we looking for in the conference? And climate change historically has been viewed as being all about big business or the individual. What might a different perspective look like? Dave and Josephine touch on all of this and more. Here's their engaging conversation. So my name's Dave Ray. So I'm a professor of carbon management and education in the School of Geosciences and I direct the Edinburgh Climate Change Institute. So the Climate Change Institute, we set up over 10 years ago now. Uh, So it really came about from even back then, us doing a lot on climate change within the university and really realising that we needed a hub for translating a lot of the great research we do in the university and working with practitioners who are actually doing stuff on the ground, whether it was with local government and the city or with businesses. So it's kind of grown over the years and changed shape based on the growing demand. So one of the key things I was involved in right from the start with ECCI was the teaching side of things. So we host six master's programmes within ECCI and the one, so I'm biased here because I'm closely involved with it, but the one I love the most is the master's in carbon management. And that goes back before creation of ECCI. So it goes back, what, about 14 years now. And that was really, that came about through our identifying that in terms of tackling climate change, we know we need to know the science, right? So that's that's a, a core part of it. We need the evidence base. But actually to tackle climate change, you need to actually understand the business and the economics and the policy as well. So we set that master's up with the business school and with the School of Economics, so a joint master's, uh, which is based in the in the Climate Change Institute, to do exactly that, to kind of, I guess, hopefully teach our students all the different languages of policy and business and economics and science, but to have that rounded view. And that's been that's been such a joy over the years to be part of because the students have just well, they've loved it, but most students at Edinburgh obviously have a great time, but they've really then used it as a platform to do amazing work on climate action around the world. So it's one of the, the joys in my professional life is just keeping up with all the alums and seeing what they're doing, as well as teaching the, the new cohorts each year. So, yeah, in terms of ECCI, we, we kind of cover, so we do a lot of teaching around the master's level. We also produce this suite of open access courses on climate change. So there's a a MOOC, a massive open online course called Climate Solutions, which is available to everyone in the world, but we've actually got a version that, so everyone in Edinburgh can take it and the uni can take it, 
but we've got a version on Learn as well. So you can actually take the course and it shows up in your Euclid record. Uh, so that's really nice. And we've got a, a suite of those. So the first one is already launched and that's focused really around climate solutions in terms of what the UK needs to do, but also, you know, what's going on globally, but that's in English. But we're doing a, a suite of versions for each nation in the world is the plan. So we've got a lot to do. But the next one, which is coming out for COP is Climate Solutions India. So that's using our alums from India. So the beauty of these courses is there's no old white men like me on them. It's actually the students and alums of the university talking about what climate change means in their home country and what we can do about it. So, yeah, like I say, the, the India one is so good, again, because it's got our students and alums are the ones who present on it. The, the UK one, likewise. The one after that will be uh, focused on the Middle East. And obviously there we've got a lot of alums who again, are dealing with a lot of the impacts of climate change already, uh, but also a lot of the solutions. So that's a really exciting part of our, I guess, our education and, and skills part of ECCI. And then more generally, we do a lot of work, like I say, working with the practitioners on climate change. So we work a lot with Edinburgh City Council in terms of their climate strategy. With Scottish Government, we provide the advice for them on all of their climate policy. And we work with businesses. So NatWest Group, is one of our biggest partners and we've got some great stuff with them so we part of our job is training the trainers so we train the NatWest group staff in terms of what climate change means how it how they can actually incorporate it into their businesses uh, and and who they're working with but we've also got a new project working with they call it their supply chain but this is small and medium-sized businesses in terms of how they have hardly any time, obviously, hardly any money to tackle climate change, you know, and so they need help. And so NatWest Group and Royal Bank of Scotland through ECCI, helping those small businesses understand what the opportunities are, but also what the risks are. So yeah, it's uh, it's one of those parts of the university where we are, we're very outward facing, so working with a lot of partners. But one of the things I love is that we're, we're kind of that facilitator for all the amazing research and, and the students within the university to get these opportunities in terms of working with businesses or with government and to make sure our research, which is really, really, you know, so important and so good in the university, actually translates into practice. Wow. <laughs> it's it's amazing. I love the transdisciplinary aspect of the, I mean, all the, the masters and MOOCs. It's um, yeah. wow, wonderful. So you touched on that a little bit, you know, how is ECCI getting involved with COP26? Maybe if there's a particular project or initiative that you want to focus on or... Um... Yeah, so a lot, as you'd imagine, as the university's kind of hub for, for climate change, we've got a lot going on for COP26 and it's it's really exciting, the range of, of things. So we've got events covering, I guess, our core work with local authorities and public bodies, with governments in terms of advice to them on climate action. The most exciting bit, again, I admit a bias here, is around education and skills and green careers. So we've got we've got a, an event in the green zone, which is all about green career pathways. So that features some of our alums from Edinburgh talking about the pathways they've taken, what what they've um, studied, what they found, the barriers they faced in terms of ending up in careers which are really leading the way on climate action in the private sector and the public sector talking about the Edinburgh experience, I hope in a good way as well. Um, but that event's, you know, really exciting to to kind of be able to showcase 
what those pathways have been, but also to identify that there are a lot of barriers and, and actually those green career pathways need to be made available for everyone. They're crucial for tackling climate change, but also crucial for the, the agenda of addressing inequalities, recovering from COVID in a sustainable way. So I'm excited about that event. The other ones that I'm really excited about. So we're working with the, the Department for Education from the UK government a lot around COP. And one of the events we're doing is a, a climate change debate. And it's from their kind of they've set they're setting up a, a climate classroom for COP26. And the debate is our students. Uh, so our students are going along to debate hot topics on climate change. So some of the big questions about things like how you make sure there's enough money coming from the rich countries in the north to help the global south address climate change to be more resilient but also to avoid the mistakes we made in terms of fossil fuel burning and actually um, decarbonize their economies um, uh, fast enough so we can together all meet the Paris climate goals. So that's a brilliant event because the students are kind of they're learning this stuff but then they're going to go and debate it to a, you know, in front of a global audience uh, online and in person at COP. And that's that's great just to have that interaction. So, um, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be a busy couple of weeks. Um, we've got a really big delegation going from Edinburgh as well. So lots of we've just selected uh, all who all of our delegates will be. And um, a large number of those, as you'd expect, are our students from right across the university, from all the 20 uh, different schools and the three colleges. Great, great representation. So they'll be going along to the blue zone where the negotiations happen to actually um, to experience what that's like, because it's a really it's an interesting experience in itself with all of those nations debating climate action, but also being able to yeah talk to alums, talk to different NGOs and different organisations from around the world about how what they're doing as a student, what they're studying, for instance, how that links in with climate action, whether it's uh, in different countries or in different sectors. So I'm really looking forward to the delegation as well and the, the Edinburgh input into COP being a really positive one. You can respond to that question from the perspective of the ECCI or your perspective, but you know, what do you hope to see come out of the COP26 and what do you sense students want to see come out of it as since you're working with a lot of students as well? Yeah, so, so COP26, I think it needs to be a delivery COP. So it needs okay. to really... The whole idea of it was it's it was going to be five years on from the Paris Agreement because of COVID, it's six years on. But it's all about aligning the world with the Paris climate goals. And so the main thing we need to see from COP26 is countries coming forward with their commitments in terms of what they're doing. So the way the Paris Agreement works, every country needs to decide what it's going to do and make its contribution to the overall Paris Agreement. And at the moment, those contributions, when you add them up, they don't meet the Paris climate goals. So COP26 needs to get us a lot closer to that. It needs more ambition from many countries in the world. We've seen increased ambition from the US this year already with a new administration there. We've seen really good progress, but it's still not enough. So we need to see more ambition, more commitment. So that's that's kind of number one. Number two is is goes back to money. So climate change we know is already happening. It's already threatening lives and livelihoods and ecosystems around the world. And it's having the most impact in the global south. You know, we've got nations there which are the most vulnerable to climate change and are experiencing it now and actually have the least responsibility in terms of emissions. 
So there was a commitment right back in 2009 in Copenhagen, where we had a big delegation there of Edinburgh students and staff. And it was it was one of those conference of the parties, big climate meeting where there was big expectation going in and really no great outcomes, a real disappointment. Although for us as a delegation, we had a wonderful time, really great in terms of students presenting to world leaders and, and really good action in terms of the university. The outcome was disappointing, but there was one ray of hope within it, which was a commitment that by 2020, the Global North would provide $100 billion to the Global South for climate action, for protecting people and ecosystems and livelihoods from the impact of climate and to help them decarbonize. Now, that commitment, we've fallen short of it. So the nations around the world, the rich nations, they've kind of gradually moved towards it. But we got to 2020 and with the pandemic, they didn't reach that target. And that is absolutely crucial that there is that money for action globally. It's a good investment to help countries who are vulnerable to climate change, but also countries who need energy. They need to be able to provide the food, the, the shelter for their populations for them to be able to do that in a a low carbon way, a way which helps the whole world transition to net zero. So that 100 billion is a key one for me in COP26. If we've got commitments from the nations, the rich nations for that, then that will be that will be a great success. It will be a year late, but you know, all, all right, there's been a pandemic, but that needs to come through. So so that would be the second one. The third big one for me for COP26 will be a, a bit of a geeky thing, but it's how the Paris Climate Agreement actually is implemented. So there's a thing called the Paris Rule Book. It's basically how all nations report on their emissions, how you use things like carbon trading, how you how you allow subnational organisations like businesses and you know kind of local authorities and cities, how you actually allow them to be part of the climate action how they can trade their carbon, how they can finance new projects for wind power or for forest restoration in other parts of the world. So because it's not all about the governments, it's actually about the whole of society. So I guess my number three big ask is that it needs to be a whole society effort. And as part of that, this rule book, the Paris rule book needs to be agreed. And that is on things like if you're doing carbon trading between countries, then that's absolutely fine. That's good. And that makes sense because some countries are better suited to some types of action than others but you cannot double count that because it what counts is what the atmosphere sees so if you're doing something like planting loads of trees and they take up carbon which is good but then you sell that kind of carbon action or that climate action to another country you can't then count it for yourself as well so things like that are really important the same on a business level if you're if you're funding kind of carbon sequestration somewhere else, then, you know, you might take credit or they might take credit. You can't both take credit because the atmosphere only sees one tree. It doesn't see two. So they would be, yeah, my three things. And that third one is a kind of wraps in this whole society aspect. And hopefully this is what a lot of our students and staff want is for the ability for everyone to take action. And and that's that's knowing more about it. So that's part of our role through education is providing open access courses as well as the the kind of formal courses at Edinburgh University. So raising understanding and and giving the tools for action in terms of research and and policy advice. But most importantly, I guess, COP26 for us in Edinburgh and in Scotland and hopefully globally 
should be a COP where it feels like, even in the context of COVID, we can be involved and we can be involved in the COP and have our voices heard in terms of what we're doing, but also that we've got levers that we can pull individually and as a community that will allow us to take climate action. So where we're facing barriers, maybe it's lack of information, maybe it's lack of investment, maybe it's, you know, the technologies are inaccessible, then being able to say, these are our barriers and you business or you government need to help remove these barriers so we can take more action. So it's climate change historically is always boiled down to this kind of polarised view of, oh, it's all about big business and governments or it's all about the individual. And both of those are wrong. It's actually about the whole of society. So individuals make up those governments and big business and we are the consumers, we're the voters, we are the people who take action. But actually, the ways we take action can be limited by business and government. So it needs to be that whole society approach. And I'm really optimistic that that message is getting through. We're seeing governments, you know, in terms of their approach at COP, not just being about targets and kind of saying, oh, we'll do this, but we're not sure how we're going to do it. Actually, it's a conversation with us as communities, us as businesses, us as institutions to say, how do we actually do this? How would how do we do it in the city of Edinburgh, for instance? And how does that how is that different from doing it in uh, New York or in Karachi? Sharing good practice, but also understanding that place based lens is crucial. And you can't you know, we won't get anywhere with the targets unless actually it works on the ground for us as individuals. So having that two way street of climate change, that's so crucial. Wonderful. Thank you. I guess that leads me to the last question, because the key is education. So do you have, you know, any kind of general reflections as a as a teacher on how to embed an awareness of the climate emergency in our teaching practices? This is kind of a question we're trying to grapple with, you know, with teaching matters, which really focuses on sharing innovative and, and good teaching uh, practices. So um, any yeah. examples or anything, you know, from your experience that that kind of comes to mind? Yeah, so, so this is because I think it underpins what we do as a university in terms of our graduate attributes. Climate understanding needs to be in there and, you know, business, our, all the employers. So, so if we want our graduates to be employable and get the jobs they want, those green career pathways, it needs to be an element. And I think all universities and colleges and even schools are thinking about this as well. I think we've got some really good practice at Edinburgh in terms of some of the courses that exist where you can study climate change as part of your studies. So like the open access one I mentioned, but we've also had one running for quite a while on called um, sustainability and social responsibility. Likewise, any student can take them. I think we're still struggling in terms of making sure that access accessibility is there because it's great to have a course where you say, okay, this is online, so you can, you know, you can anyone can take it, but actually all the degrees at Edinburgh, they've got a lot of courses to do already. And there's, you know, there's a lot to study and there's a lot that di that's disciplinary, inevitably. And so our main challenge, I think, in terms of that mainstreaming and embedding is actually not to provide courses which are an optional bolt on, which cover climate change and sustainability, but actually to realise that mainstream and embedding. And that means if you are, say you're studying medicine, one of your courses which is around medicine allows you to reflect on things like climate risk in terms of human health it allows you to reflect on the carbon footprint of your practice when you are a practicing doctor 
So it is not kind of, oh, today I'm just doing climate change and that's a separate thing, but actually is about your discipline and about your career and about you as a person. And when you look across every single discipline we cover in Edinburgh, and we cover pretty much everything because we're such a big university, climate change is relevant to every single one because it's relevant to who we are as an individual, but our whole world uh, during the 21st century. And so getting to that is the challenge. And that's going to mean that all of our teaching teams across all of the different schools need support in terms of how you do that. So advice from people who teach on climate, but it needs to be, it's that two-way street again, it needs to be a conversation about why it's relevant and how you deliver it, what the pedagogical kind of approach will be and how actually from a student perspective, how how it can be engaging and relevant rather than just something where, oh yeah, I'm interested in climate change, so I'll do that course, rather than, I guess for a lot of folk, it will be, oh, that's kind of interesting, but I'm really busy because I'm doing my my degree, or I'm doing what I signed up to do. So it should be integral, Even it should be actually, the dream would be, you don't even notice it's there because it's just part of the core learnings that you want to do, whatever route you're following. So if we can manage that and we need to do it pretty quickly, then then that will be great for our university, but it's, it's what we've got to do. We've got to make this happen. So uh, it's going to be one of the, the big jobs after COP26. So this this year ahead, as we start to get back to normal teaching and, and our curriculum across the university is reformed, that we do it and manage that embedding of climate and sustainability. Kind of reminds of like uh, decolonizing the curriculum, right? Kind of like embedding a deconstructive lens to, you know, every discipline because it's it's kind of the same thing, just how we construct it's, knowledge. And, yeah, 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 it really is. And, and it, it's it's kind of, we've, we've learned by doing and to a certain extent failing you know, different models. And I think the model I just described of, of really embedding, it's it's more effort kind of, because you've got to, you know, you've got to work with everyone across the university, but actually it's much more sustainable because it is understanding their discipline and, and what learning outcomes they need, whether it's accreditation bodies or employers or the students, and you're putting climate change within that rather than trying to bolt it on and say, oh, study this as a, as a bonus mm -hmm. course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is fantastic. Thank you so much. I don't want to take more of your time. I know yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> really good to see you. And Thank you for listening to this special episode of Teaching Matters. As a final year student who's been ridiculously busy this semester, I appreciate how this episode contextualized the conference for me. Teaching Matters is brought to you by the University of Edinburgh's Institute for Academic Development. For more posts about COP26 and conversations around teaching and learning, head to our blog. We'd be delighted for you to join the conversation. To do so, please email us at teachingmatters.ed.ac.uk. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and now on LinkedIn. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider following us on Spotify or leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Music for today's episode was provided by Sounds. Tune in next Wednesday for the beginning of our Wikimedia series, where we'll recontextualize Wikimedia's place within academia. Until then, stay curious.